You are listening to the Missio Tempe podcast. We are a church of missional communities, living as a family of missionary servants for the good of our city. For more information about our church, visit missiotempe.com. We hope this teaching encourages and challenges you to faithfully take up your role in the Missio Day. I'd love for you to turn to Acts 2, verse 42. We're going to read from 42 through 47. We've been in the same passage the whole month of May, and we're continuing here. Jesus has resurrected. He has ascended to the Father. He has sent the Spirit, and the Spirit is now empowering the church, God's people, to live out this resurrected life together, as we were singing about. And this is what he says. This is, this is what uh, uh, Luke, the writer of Acts, says about this early church and their rhythms, this template for how we are to live as God's people. Verse 42, Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. This is the first we're going to focus in on today, verse 44. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. And then 45. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a picture. What a picture. If you're with us a couple of weeks ago, we started with just describing, as N.T. Wright describes this little verse, the little verses here, as this is a new family that has been born. The resurrection has created this new family, the people of God. We're rich and poor, black and white, uh, social status at the highest and the lowest. Everyone is welcome to the table. Master and slave, this is this countercultural community. And then together, they uh, uh, are this family. They embody what God always intended for his people. And a couple weeks ago, we invited and we welcomed in five different family members, five kids, either through dedication or baptism, into our family. The last week, if you're with us, we talked about the four things that the early church was devoted to. Devotion here, the word just means to strenuously endure over a long period of time despite difficulty despite difficulty. Like, what are you devoted to? I gave you some silly examples from my life that are maybe a little bit shameful and, and, and things I shouldn't probably be devoted to that much. But these are the four things that we're devoted to here. The apostles teaching scripture, to prayer, to breaking of bread, communion, but also sharing meals. Uh, and what's the fourth one here? And to fellowship, being with one another as the family. This week, I want to talk about this really, uh, really important but often vulnerable topic within the context of the church is stewardship or generosity in verse 44 and 45 we see here. If you guys um, were, uh, if you live in Tempe, uh, your lives have been very disrupted over the last week and a half. Uh, on Saturday a couple weeks ago, I was looking on my phone, looking at where our place was. We were going to maybe go for coffee and I noticed that the 60 freeway was very red and had a lot of those little signals that said that there was a crash or accident. I said, what in the world is going on? Later, do I find out there was four feet of water right by my house 
between McClintock and Rule under one of the overpasses on the 60 freeway. What had happened was one of the main water lines had a one and a half foot gash that was developed and eight million gallons of water bubbled up and destroyed the freeway. It's still closed to this day. Actually, I lost 20 minutes of my life a couple days ago having to be rerouted around it. I'm not bitter about that at all. It was unbelievable. They, I saw in an article, they, they uh, said that, and it was like na national news, I guess. Somebody from out of state had told Sarah Hamilton they saw it on the news, which is crazy. But uh, one of the officials had said that they had planned on replacing the pipes. They were getting kind of closer to the age when they need to be replaced. And there was kind of a prepared plan over the next, let's say, five to 10 years to take care of them. And they were just too late. They were too late. The gash happened, water comes up, the pavement itself was disrupted and broken, and they're working right now around the clock basically to get that major freeway up working. So this is what you do when you're a pastor and you're trying to lead people. You think about things that happen in your life or in the life of your city, and you think, is there anything that, that might be for us as God's people as a picture, as a symbol of what's happened to the 60 freeway the last week? And here's what I've been thinking about. There's often in our lives overlooked areas. There's overlooked areas of our life that are unexpectedly exposed. There are overlooked areas of our life that are often unexpectedly exposed. Jesus exposes them. But the exposure is not to harm long-term. It's not to disrupt as if you can no longer use the 60 freeway, but to heal, to heal these overlooked areas. And I would say, I would say, for us as Americans, we have this overlooked area, especially as Christians, of how we are stewards, our finances, this overlooked area, how, how we do this work, often sometimes is unexpectedly exposed, but not exposed to harm you, but to find healing. What does it look like for us to explore, uh, sometimes in unexpected ways, how we have or have not been a good steward of the resources and gifts and talents and money that God has given us. The, the 60 freeway, it's on, uh, uh, at, the, at the end of the day, it's ultimately a gift because the pipes will be replaced. The, the road will begin working again. But it came unexpectedly. And that exposure had, in a sense, for us to deal with the realities that were underneath. And so today I want to talk about stewardship and money, talk about resources, how this early church practiced this rhythm of sharing with anyone who had need. They were selling property and possessions. Uh, in the ancient world, to sell property was often tied to uh, ancestral land or where your ancestors had grown up. To sell property was a huge commitment. It was giving up a grandpa's space and land that he had created for the sake of this new family. Don't worry, I'm not going to be calling you to sell your house after today if you're worried about that. But there was this community that they were uh, together. They were sharing what they had. Nobody had any need. They were being good stewards of what God had given them. Now, before maybe we talk about uh, something that's really vulnerable and, and finances, I even know this conversation is so vulnerable that even within couples, there's often very little productive conversation that happens around money. That, that's just one person usually runs it and does it, and the other person is completely oblivious to what's going on. Or even uh, as we think about as a church, uh, just the idea of money and talking about the church. We don't even do an offering play because even that might be, oh, that's, that, that triggers me in some way or brings up discomfort. But as we enter in, I just want to encourage you first as a church with how you have been a good steward, 
of what God has given you. Here's some stories that I've heard of, and I, I get to hear these as one of your shepherds often. First is this. There are families in this church who understood the towering medical bills we faced with Clark's hospitalization for several years, or for a year, and within six months, that stepped forward and paid large portions of them without ever being asked. There are stories every month in my MC, and I know probably yours too, of specific needs or opportunities that arise that people quickly meet, whether for a neighbor, for one another, or for a friend. Hey, my neighbor or my coworker is going through chemotherapy. Uh, what if we bless them with a meal this week? Could we rally together $100? Yes, done. Within, within hours. There's a story of someone in our congregation right now who picked up a job simply so they can be generous towards a friend who's in great need. They're literally making money and then giving that money to a friend that's in desperate need. There are countless stories of ordinary faithful generosity to Missio as a church over the years with people that have varied financial statuses. There are too many moments to name of people in our church that lend their homes, their resources for the good of a brother or sister. Uh, just yesterday, a home of someone in our church, when they were out of town, was used two different times with no questions asked. Hey, can we use your space this morning? Can we use your space? After? Absolutely. Whatever you need. There are stories of you as a congregation meeting needs that arise in our city, even through Advent offerings or different needs that have arisen over the last 15 years. And even recently, I think, if my estimates are right, over $8,000 and counting have been giving towards refugees fleeing the Ukrainian crisis to a church in Romania that's serving and has this whole facility set up to, to care for over 100 different refugees that come through their doors. There are literally thousands of well-prepared meals every week for, uh, for one another and for those experiencing homelessness that go way above and beyond your typical grocery budget. Like, I just want to say this. If Jesus, I think, were to talk to us about our stewardship practices, I think he would really say, well done. He'd say, well done, good and faithful steward. Like, keep on the path. Stay in the race. Continue forward, modeling what it looks like to create a kind of community where no one has any need. So here's what I want to do today in light of this encouragement and us thinking about stewards, being stewards of what God has given us. I want to talk communally as a church how we're trying to live this out as a church, as an institution, and then personally, what are some maybe calls to action for us as individuals? So communally, um, in your handout, uh, you should have a little graphic. Some of you skipped ahead. That's okay. You'll be forgiven. Uh, but there's a little graphic there. I'm trying to, as a practice, we practiced this in January 2021. I'm trying to, as a practice, uh, at least once a year, kind of give an insight, whether you've been around for a long time or a short time, of in a sense, how does Missio as an institution, as a church, steward the funds that have been given, hopefully, and I think so, for the, for the sake of our neighbors being served and for meeting the needs of brothers and sisters in our midst. So I put these two little pie charts there. Now here's a disclaimer. This isn't one is better than the other. This isn't a versus. That's not the point. What I wanted to show with the national average and Missio is how we've tried to steward in a little bit different way, and you could argue that either way is better, but tried to steward in a different way maybe some of the resources that we have been given. 
The big thing, big thing I want you to notice is Missio has never owned a building. I would love if somebody would just give us one. That would be fantastic for a lot of reasons. We've never owned a building. We've never done a building campaign fund. And those things aren't bad. But we've always been pretty slim with our resources used towards a space. So only 7% of our annual budget goes towards renting a space. And that's largely, too, because of Gary's generosity towards us. 7%. Now, what that's done is it's freed us up to actually be more generous with our resources to local and global opportunities, to church planning, and to free up equippers in our midst. So just to look at that pie chart for a second, some of the things to notice. Um, the outward category, 10% uh, of every dollar given towards Missio goes towards local and global missions. We set that dollar aside. Uh, it could be locally uh, within something that's happening in our city or partnering with a local gospel partner. It could also be globally. We have two missionary teams, uh, couples that we support, uh, a team in Estonia and then the sloshers that we sent out last year that we support each year. And then church planning. Uh, we have 10% set aside to help establish new churches in our city or, or around this nation. Equipping. This is anything from trainings to meals to printing graphics. Like there's these really cool blessed rhythm graphics I just printed on the back table for you to pick up that are made to equip you in God's story to live out the blessed, listen, eat, speak, Sabbath rhythms. Operations. Uh, this is what we need to do to pay for our shared accountant across congregations. We have one accountant that works across all three missios and also for the different services and insurances that are needed to run a church in America. Uh, the staff, that then concludes me. You've graciously freed me up full time to be your, one of your primary shepherds. And you've also graciously freed up Sarah in a really part-time role and in a really, really part-time role, like really part-time role. And they do way more than what they've even been, they've been given and asked. You've also freed up Kenny and Megan to serve you as well. Kenny leading us in worship and Megan leading us uh, each week with kids. So those are the four staff folks there. This is how we're stewarding the resources God has given us. Not to build up the institution to make us great, but for the institution to serve and embody the vision here of Acts 2, of creating this, these environments and these spaces where needs are met, where we equip you to serve and love and care for your neighbor. I have a lot of ideas, if our finances were to grow, of cool things we could do, opportunities that could develop. I would love to talk to you if you're interested in that. Um, but I've also been really gracious, and we are, uh, we are doing really well even to start this year, four months into the budget for this year. And so thank you for your generosity towards Missio as we seek to be an institution that doesn't serve itself but serves you and our neighbors. If you have questions or concerns around this, you're welcome to come talk to me. I'd love to dialogue about our finances and uh, help you understand how we're trying to steward what God has given us. So that's just, in a sense, an insight into what we're doing with as stewards, as the elders are, of trying to equip us as God's people in our time and place. Man, 11 a.m. is going to be really good in June here. It's going to be really good. So that's what we're doing communally, trying to live out this Acts 2 vision as a community, as a whole, as a church. So let's talk personally. Uh, personally, I want to give you attention a question and a consideration when you think about being a steward, about living and embodying this vision of Acts 2. Attention, a question, and a consideration. Attention, question, consideration. First, the tension. 
uh, as we think about uh, being God's people and living out this vision of Acts 2 here, 42 through 47, here's the tension I think we're invited to live into. And I'd love for you to think about which side you fall on this tension. When we think about our generosity as stewards, I think we fall into these two camps. One, we are either in the moment generous folks, largely, or we're institutionally generous. In the moment generosity, institutional generosity. Or another way to put it, we are opportunity generous, like there's an opportunity that rises and we meet it. Or we're kind of just the ordinary generous folks that like, hey, we're just faithful week in, week out, generous towards our church, generous towards our neighbor. We just kind of slow and steady. It goes back and forth. Now, probably you err on one side or the other. Uh, if you are more on the in the moment kind of generosity, like when a need it brings up, you're like quick to write a check. Like, hey, I'm gonna write a thousand dollar check to meet this need or the Ukraine fund or whatever it is. Or an institution are like, hey, I'm just faithful, generous week in, week out to my local church, to maybe a missionary that I support, to whatever the, the work that I'm contributing to in the city. Sometimes this can fall on generations where institutions now have come under a lot of suspicion, some ways rightly so, for how they've stewarded the resources they've been given. And some of that's just a cultural wave and trend. But I would love for you to turn to your neighbor. This is, a, this is a courageous question to ask. But like, where do you lean more towards? Some of you, just to be, again, encouraged, some of you are like both. Like I could tell stories of how people have been both ordinary in their giving and generosity towards neighbor, towards the church, and like opportunities arise and like, yeah, like how can I meet it? How can I step in? But turn to somebody around you. Where, where do you lean? Are you lean more like, yeah, I just, like my default is more like, hey, just the rhythm. Like, that's how I grew up. That's the context I grew up, the tradition I grew up in. Or like, no, like, I'm really good. Like, I'm, my budget's kind of all over the place. And sometimes I don't know what's going on. But like, if somebody were to say, hey, I have a need, I'm ready to meet it. And I'm willing to sacrifice to do that. What for you? Turn to somebody around you and share. If you're even with your spouse, you can, you can argue with one another uh, with who is which. Let me call you back, get you out of your awkward conversation if it's been awkward for you. Hopefully it's been good. Just a good question to consider as you think about your practices, that generosity is both a personal experience, an act, and also a communal act. As we seek as a church to steward together the resources and funds that have been given, for the sake of others, not for the sake of the institution. But then also personally, as different needs arise and um, different opportunities come up to meet the needs of the day. Obviously to use wisdom and not just to throw money at everything, right? But Americans have, are really good at throwing money and not recognizing a holistic picture of the needs that are actually present in someone's life. Here's the question to wrestle with. That's the tension, here's the question. It's a question uh, that was in a Porterbrook material that we used to use a while ago. We did a Zoom cohort on it which has been really great uh, resources that are outside of our tradition. And Porterbrook asks this question, it's for leaders, but everyone's a leader, we're all disciple makers. Let me just make that clear. This is a disciple maker question. And all of us have been called to be disciple makers. And I think it's a really helpful diagnostic question. It's been seared in my memory the last couple of years. Here it is. If the people I'm leading 
followed my example of generosity, where would we be as a church or as a group, a missional community, or even, this is a big question, as a future church plan or a new venture? Let me say it again. If the people I'm leading followed my example, not, not me, this is reflective for you, but me too, of giving and generosity, where would we be as a church, as a missional community, or as a future church plan? Just sit with that question for a second in silence and just reflect on uh, this area of our life that often is overlooked or maybe even is being exposed right now. Hey, I haven't thought about my, fin my finances in a long time intentionally. Just sit with that for a second. As you reflect on that question, here's two things to remember about our practices of generosity and stewardship. Our generosity, as even embodied here in Acts 2, the vision, the goal and vision was never for to be uh, compulsory or compulsive, but it was to be out of a gospel joy that was in our hearts. To see ourselves as separated from God, been brought in, the riches of Christ poured out on us, and now through us, we're called to be good stewards in God's world. Like, where's your motivation? Like, if, to, if tonight you're like, you feel a lot of shame and condemnation and your first step is to like do something crazy, like I'm gonna give $1,000 or I'm gonna do something like just, I'm gonna give away my car. Like, that could be what Jesus is calling you to do. But that could be more compulsive than actually motivated from gospel joy. And what maybe a more simple step might look like to enter into that. 2 Corinthians 9 says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. If you want to recognize if you're giving compuls uh, compulsively or in a motivation that's not from the gospel joy, notice what your heart is like in bitterness, maybe frustration when you do give and you are generous towards that person, that institution, or that thing. Like if it comes with a sense of like, oh, like I'm angry almost at the end of it, or they, just, they should do something in response to what I've done for them, it reveals our motivations underneath. The second thing is this, to remember, God doesn't care as much about a dollar amount as he cares about a percentage. There's not like a specific percentage. I'm going to say, hey, you should give 10%. Like we can talk through that if you like. That's not the point of the sermon at all. But you could be giving $10 a month or being generous towards a neighbor in a really small way. And if it's a large portion of the money that God and the resources God entrusted you with, like that is significant. And God honors that and sees it and says, amen. You could also be giving $10,000 away to something. And for you, it could be the equivalent of a cup of coffee. Oh, it's like it, there's no, actually no sacrifice involved. So does, God doesn't care about, in a sense, what the number is. God cares about, in a sense, hey, are you giving, are you generous towards neighbor sacrificially? Think about this early church, this picture. They were just having whatever they had, properties and possessions they were selling. Like some probably had really expensive property and possessions, and some had probably really simple property and possessions. But they were just offering what they had before the Lord. So that was the question. Here is the consideration. 
I want you to consider two things and then I'm gonna give you a call. One, as you think about being a steward and living out this vision of Acts 2, how do you, how do you manage your property and your possessions? Like, what have you been given? Uh, we, use this, we do this game called the Carrot Cake Game in Surge School where you're like supposed to write down resources you have. And some people are like, a car, uh, accounting skills, uh, what, you know, whatever, like simple things, a spatula. That's what I was thinking about this a lot this week. Like, hey, you have a spatula. Like, how could you use your resources for the good of neighbor? How could you use the property and possessions you'd be given for the good of another? So think about your resources this week. You have probably more than you imagine at your disposal to leverage and care for one another. And then secondly, around budgeting. Like, do you have a budget? Budgets are not supposed to be constrictive, but they're actually to free you up to be proactive in your habits and patterns so that it's not always reactive in the moment. Uh, budgets give us this, in a sense, container, this, uh, this place to uh, figure out what it looks like to be a good steward, to every month recognize if I have something in place, like I can be intentional with how I'm spending my money. And I can, it also reveals where my heart is, right? Like, oh man, when we look at, Keaton and I look at our budget, it's like, oh, these are the things that actually our heart is really after because that's where our money goes. Like where your money goes reveals often where your heart is and what things you value most above everything else. Budgets are mirrors into our discipleship journey with Christ. In January of 2021, uh, we did a four-month little mini-series on, on stewardship. If you remember back, if you were around, we were outside then as well. And I just did a little, little mini-sermon before the main sermon. And I gave you like a specific call each week and how Missio stewarding their finances and what about your finances. And I gave this call the second week. And the call was, hey, this next week, would you share your budget or make one and then share your budget with someone within your missional community? I'm going to say this right now, and, I, and, I, and this, is, this is honest. Uh, and I don't know what it reveals necessarily, but I think it reveals something. Of all the challenges I have given us as a church over the last three years, of all the simple things I've called people to, this one by far, and I'm not exaggerating, came with the most resistance, the most vulnerability, the most shame maybe in some ways, the most like, <gasps> what did you just ask me to do? Do you ask me to open up my budget and other people can see it? Like, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't do that. That's not something we do. Or, you know, like, and there was other, or there was rationale, like, oh, well, I just, well, it's because of this or that or this. I don't, I, didn't, I don't know what people's hearts are. I'm not, I'm not going to question anybody's heart. But it does reveal something. Like, where does that hesitation come from? Why is it that people in our MC that we've been walking with for years, we feel uncomfortable sharing with them, hey, how we're trying to steward well what God has resourced with. And even maybe like, hey, I don't know if we are actually stewarding very well. Or, hey, we actually are doing really well. But like, hey, I'm going to reveal that to somebody else because I want them to speak the gospel into it. I want them to help us embody together this vision of Acts 2 where they sold their property and possessions and no one had need. So I gave you that call almost two years ago, a year and a half. And I'm going to give you the same call today. Like as a yearly rhythm, what would it look like to expose, remember, expose not to be harmed or hurt, but to experience light and healing and forgiveness if there's need of forgiveness or celebration with a neighbor, with someone in our congregation here, a brother or sister that loves you and cares about you. 
I'm, that's, that's what I'm planning on doing my MC this next week. They don't know this. This is, this is breaking news. I'm not, it's, not, it's not a choice. It's not a, I'm not going to force anybody in the MC to do this. It's an invitation. But for Keenan and I to actually model, like, hey, we're actually going like, to, hey, you can have insight. As one of your primary shepherds, I want you to have insight into how we're stewarding the resources God has given us. And a sense of accountability, part of the two, but then also, hopefully, that they, people can reveal, hey, there's maybe some blind spots you guys have, or, hey, there's an area you could grow, or, hey, you actually are doing really well in this area. Like, let's celebrate that. What would it look like this week to do that? I want you just in the silence of the space to think of maybe who is a person in our congregation that you would feel uh, that's trustworthy, that's safe, that you would actually want to have that conversation with, that the Spirit actually might prompt you to step towards this week. I'll give you a couple weeks because usually one week is not enough time. Just think about that for a moment. It's a scary call. It could bring up different feelings. It might even be conversations you need to have with a spouse or a good friend beforehand that maybe you haven't had in good ways. The exposure might create awkwardness, but it also gives a chance for you to experience healing and help if needed. I want to read this liturgy. It's from the book Every Moment Holy. Uh, it's a liturgy of giving or generosity. I love to read these words over you, and I'm going to invite you to the table. If you want to reach out your hands, I know we do this at the end as well, but reach out your hands as you receive this liturgy of what it looks like to be a good steward of all that God's entrusted us with, to live out this vision of Acts 2. It says, All Lord, let the best love which shapes my life be evident even in my accountings. Let that which I most treasure be revealed in long columns of expenditures, that month to month and year to year accrue like the clues of a treasure map revealing where my heart and my hope are hidden. Let me learn to love you by this glad practice of giving, taking joy in every opportunity to invest in that heavenly economy whose scale of return will prove to be so out of proportion to all earthly paradigms as to render them at last trivial and absurd. Let me give neither as begrudging duty nor from some blasphemous belief that you might be manipulated but let me give in sincerity and cheerfulness towards neighbor as a means of making evident the infinite implications of the gospel. Let me give to that which moves your heart. Let me give food to the hungry, water to the thirsty, shelter to the homeless, relief to the refugee, aid to the orphan, freedom to the captive, justice to the oppressed, mercy to the broken, good news to the poor, healing to the sick, comfort to the distressed, consolation to the lonely, sight to the blind, hope to the hopeless, peace to the war-weary, and reconciliation to those in conflict, and the liberating story of your love to those who hunger for it. Ah, Lord, let the best love which shapes my life be evident in this and in all of my small acts of giving. Amen. Would you stand with me? Listen to these words from 2 Corinthians as I invite you to the table. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty 
you might become rich. Before you live out your identity as a good steward of all that God has given you, you follow in the path and in response to the steward that has come before you, the one who stewarded all of heaven and earth, who gave up his privileges and power and resources so that he might invite you in. He might have you at his table. So everything we have, we can steward with joy, knowing that none of it is ours, that all of it is from the good king. And every week we get to remember that with this table, with his body and his blood. But the ultimate picture of that giving and generosity was at the cross. And in his cross and resurrection, you've been invited to live in the pattern of his kingdom and his way. So before you do anything with your resources and stewardship, would you come and just receive from the one who already has it all, who already owns and cares and holds everything that you could possibly have, and who knows your needs? Come to the table. Let's, receive, let's repeat this together. We do it every week that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Let's actually say it as we believe it because it's true. Christ has died, Christ, Christ is, is risen, and Christ, Christ will come again. again. Come and receive.